<laughs> this is Ein Yaakov, we're on page Reish Lamed. We're still in the middle of the story of us crossing the Yarden, although I believe we're finishing it up today. We are, we're finishing it up today. We're on Reish Lamed, and we're at that paragraph beginning, Eidem B'Yarden. And actually, a couple paragraphs have begun, Eidem B'Yarden. They keep on staying in the river. We're spending a lot of time in the river. Eidem B'Yarden. They were still in the river when the following thing happened. Eidem B'Yarden. Amad Lam Yeshua, Yeshua said to them, Harim Lechem Ish Evan Achas. Now, you might recall, the last time we had Eidem B'Yarden, the last time they were stuck in the river, we said they were still in the river, and Yeshua said to them, We're going to make a deal, not dissimilar from the deal that we made by Sinai. And that is that if you plan on going into Eretz Yisrael and conquering the land and doing what Hashem says and taking over the land, then you can cross. And if not, the water is going to drown you. That was the original Eid of Biyadin. So now we're up to the next Eid of Biyadin. <laughs> now we're up to the next Eid of Biyadin. Amalami Yeshua, he says to them, Harim Lachem Ish Evan Achas HaShechmei Lemispar Shivtei Bnei Yisrael. He tells everybody, I want you each to lift up a rock. Find 12 rocks, big rocks, and lift them up. So that you're going to have a sign among you. Tomorrow, your kids are going to ask you, why do you have these giant rocks all over the place? You're basically grabbing these giant boulders from the middle of the yard. The only way to get that is to either go scuba diving or to have had God split the sea. So we're going to have proof that we were in the middle of the yard. We have these giant boulders. We're going to take them to dry land. Your kids are going to say, where did these big rocks come from? You're going to say, oh, when I was walking in the middle of the yard, I grabbed those big rocks. This is going to be a sign forever that you were in the middle of the yard. Once again, they are still in the Jordan River. They're in the river. Yeshua said to them, He told them to prepare these 12 rocks we just talked about. I want you to bring them across with you. And I want you to leave them at the hotel. I'm translating incorrectly. I want you to leave the place we're going to stay for the night. The malayin. The place we're going to stay for the night. I might have thought that they now are stuck carrying giant boulders everywhere they go. Every time they stop for the night, they have to bring a giant boulder with them. This is the Malayim that you're going to stay with tonight. That is, you leave them at the first place you stop, and then you can leave the boulders. You don't want to be carrying boulders. You're going to be going to war. I guess you need to travel light. Drop off the boulders at the first stop, and that's where the boulders are going to stay permanently. Okay, I'm not going to do any commentary on this, because in I and Hay, we're going into the boulders in detail, and that's where the commentary comes. Amar Rabbi Yodah, he said, They one time saw these rocks. They saw these rocks, they stood by these rocks, they exist. And they measured every single one of them. They saw that each one was excuse me, 40 saw. Now, for, the problem is the 40 saw is a liquid measure. So it's, uh, it's, it's impossible. Well, it, it can be a ton. It depends on what you're measuring. Because it's a liquid measure. So it, it depends on what you're measuring. If, if it's water, because that's how we usually do memsa. Memsa is usually water. It's a, it's a lot. It's 80 gallons. 80 gallons of memsa. Um, the way, fast way to remember memsa and mikvah is in general is that the whole reason why memsa is the size for a mikvah is because it's the size of a person when they're at the average adult in the fetal position. So that's a lot of water because that's be enough to cover a person who's curled up like a ball. That's why we make memsa the minimum size for a mikvah. So you're talking in water, that's about 80 gallons of water. Now, 80 gallons of water and 80, 80 gallons of metal will make liquid metal weigh something different than 80 gallons of water. It's hard to know what we're dealing with here. With liquid rock, I don't know. But assuming it's water, which is an unfair assumption, but just go with it, 80 gallons of water would weigh about 660. Pounds. That's a lot of, that's heavy. So uh, the estimate they're telling us right now is that each of these rocks weighed over 600 pounds. Ugmiri, and we learned the following. Could be, could be rocks that are used to displacement of water. Mean that they're displacing that amount of weight? Then in that case, that would be their actual weight. So yeah, sure, why not displacing? Sure. In which case, again, it, it's really hard to know. But I'm going to use water because 40 saw is how we, that's the problem. You'd have to look up rock to, I mean, you, you have to know what kind of rock you're dealing with. Rocks have also different kinds of density. You take, a, you take volcanic rock, it has a very low density. You can almost float. 
It really depends on the... I, do you want me to look up the rocks in the Jordan River and their density? At some point, he asks too much of me. Ugmiri. <laughs> it means probably sedimentary rock, right? It's in the middle of the... It's sedimentary rock. It's in the middle of the river. We probably could have figured it out. I'm probably just... Maybe it's like sandstone. Ugmiri. We learned the following. That anything that a person can lift on their own, if it's placed on them, they can lift three times that. So it's very difficult to lift things up by yourself. You might have noticed if you're holding out your hands, you can carry a lot more when somebody puts it on you than you can if you have to lift it up off the ground. So they say that, uh, I don't know where they get this measurement from, they say, Gmiri, we've just learned this, that a person, can, a person can lift a third of what they can be handed, which means that each of the people who was capable of lifting up a rock worth 40 saw could have held, if it was put in their arms, a rock that was the weight of 120 saw, 40 times three. 120 saw would be 1,900 pounds. So the Gemara's claim they want to make right now, even if we're dealing with water, and the fact is we're probably dealing with sedimentary rock that's going to have a higher density, so probably even heavier, the Gemara's making the claim right now that every one of these people could easily carry 2,000 pounds. And that is, uh, that is difficult to wrap your head around, but that is exactly how Rashi reads this. Uh, the Ben Yod is going to say he doesn't think so. Give me a second. Let's just keep reading for a second. But that's, uh, right now we're assuming that they were each able to carry about 2,000 pounds. Actually, I'm going to pause here. Let me tell you the Ben Yayada. The Ben Yayada says basically this is totally unrealistic. It was a miracle. Ben Yayada trusts our measurements, but he said this is not what people can carry. I want you to read you the Ben Yayada, because of all people, the Ben Yayada is usually our capitalist. But even he goes, this, was a, this is a pure nace. People don't do this. Ben Yayada says, He says, this is very distant from being something that would work al piteva. I just don't think each of these guys was capable of carrying 2,000 pounds. Hashem did a miracle at that time. Fine, he's doing a miracle anyway. He's splitting the Jordan. May as well give them super strength. He wanted to give them the strength of 120 so, which again is 40 times 3, which is the amount they'd have been able to have placed on them. They're in order to give them remes. Now you're entering the land of Israel. Hashem gave you this land so that you will keep the mitzvahs in it, which I cannot stress enough. Hashem gave us this land so we can keep mitzvahs in it. I don't know what the is. This one doesn't uh, ring a bell for me that there are 120 rearrangements of Elikim. I just, I just don't know it. How do you do it? Do you know how to do it? Yeah, you start with the Aleph and you permitted the last two Okay, so Adam Batala says that you can rearrange the words of Shem Elikim 120 times. In any event, that's, that represents all of the Gevuras in the world. Okay, I believe you. There's 120 of them. And since there's 120 of them, they need the power to be able to conquer Shem Elikim. Don't forget what the Rebbe always says about the spies and going into Eretz Yisrael. Is that the big difference, the change in paradigm of Kabbalah, is that when we were outside of Eretz Yisrael, we didn't have to deal with Teva at all. We were living a miraculous life. Enter Eretz Yisrael, you're going to have to deal with Shem Elikim. You're going to have to deal with Teva, Elikim Bigamatria Teva, and you're going to have to elevate it and be Mavarit. Because of that, they needed the power to conquer all of the Tzeruf of Shem Elikim. So they were given the power of 120, which is the Tzeruf from Shem Elikim. So they were given the power to carry 120 saw is a figurative or Kabbalistic hint that they were given the ability. I think what he's saying here is that they made a miracle. Hashem made a miracle, giving them the power to literally carry 120 saw to show them that they were also being given the spiritual power to carry Shem Elikim, to take Shem Elikim and elevate it when they got to the other side of the yard, which fits so nicely with Chassidus Chabad, because it's exactly, uh, to elevate Teva, right, which is exactly what the Rebbe says happens when we enter Eretz Yisrael. So uh, it's, it's just, it fits very nicely with, with our approach to the spies and entering Eretz Yisrael. It works really nicely. In any event, I did really like this Ben Yadah because he does point out, I'm doing the math here going, am I the only crazy one? And no, I'm, the Ben Yadah agrees, this is a very, this is, these were very heavy rocks and it was a miracle. But this miracle was meant to show us something, not a miracle for nothing, a miracle meant to show us that we were now capable of conquering Teva. 
Based on this, you can calculate how big the grape cluster was when the spies brought it back from Eretz Yisrael. I'm sure you remember the story, but Moshe tells the spies that they should go into Eretz Yisrael and they should check out the land and figure out whether it makes good fruit, and they should also bring back some fruit from the land of Israel to show people what it's like. So the spies find these gargantuan grapes and these giant fruits that are, that are, that are enormous, and to a normal audience, this is a sign of an incredibly abundant land, but they come back with bad intentions. They say, look, the people are strange, their fruit's strange, we hate this place, which is just like, like a bunch of... Honestly, I, I have kids like that. <laughs> the nicest things, and then they come back and go, oh, see the, the, the giant delicious grapes, you can see just how weird this is. So they come back with giant grapes, and they, and they complain about it. Shunamar, we assume might be But anyway, they carried them, but might be We're going to have to do a little bit of math here. Don't worry, I wrote some notes to help us. They carried it on a pole by two. If they carried it on a pole, why do I need to know two people carried it? Here's the question. If I told you that Mendel and I carried, that, uh, that I carried something on a pole, let's not use Mendel. I carried something on, we carried something on a pole, Mendel and I. That means there was a pole between us and each of us were on either side of it. So I don't need to say Bemait Bishnaim. Once I say Bemait, it means Bishnaim. Once I say Bishnaim, it means Bemait. Bemait means by a pole and a person can't carry something on a pole by themselves unless the pole isn't like carrying it out and it's like wavering on the other end. You can't, huh? You can, anyway, two people hold a pole, one on either end of it. That's the matzah pole, you're right, you can do that. But this is a big, heavy, you're going to need two people. So the grammar wants to know, why do you need a mait bishnayim? Matamad leim bishnayim, why say two? Bishnayim mait this. Because it wasn't that it was two people carrying one, uh, one pole, it was two poles. So they had two poles, and the poles may be in an X shape underneath like the, the uh, huh? Maybe like the iron side by side, maybe in like an X shape. I forgot to bring my Gemara here that has the pictures. Um, in the, uh, the Masif Shas, they drew a picture of what every Rishon says the arrangement was. So many different arrangements. But uh, let, let's, because we haven't added, we're about to add two more poles, so give me a second. In this, in this arrangement, there aren't a lot of commentaries. Let's assume we're dealing with two side by side poles like the iron. So they're carrying it, two poles side by side, which means how many people are carrying the grapes four. total? Four. So we have four people carrying the grapes, one at the end of each pole. I'm going to be Yitzchak. Now we're going to change it. Turtani, for Turtani to Turtani. Here's where it gets fun. They were not four poles, there were actually eight people, ca- I'm sorry, there were not two poles, there were eight people carrying four poles. So that's the final revision. Eight people carried the grape cluster. One person carried this giant pomegranate. One carried a giant, wait, I can do this, I always get them confused. Taina's a fig. A giant fig. Yeshua and Kalev, they didn't carry anything. My time. Why didn't Yeshua and Kalev carry anything? You, you know people like this, right? Everybody has a, everybody's carrying the bags and Yeshua and Kalev are like, oh, I'm busy. That's not why. It's not because they didn't want to pitch in. My time. If you want to say Mishum de Chashivi, it might be, well, actually, because they were Chashivi. They were very special people. They weren't going to carry things. Look, you guys carry. I'm not slumming it. Make the porter take care of it. But if you want, I'll tell you. Huh? Well, that's the second one. The first Ibaisema, Mishum de Chashivi. It's not because they didn't want to take bars, it's because they were special people. Big it up on them. I'm not going to carry a grape. Hi, Ibaisema. Huh? Yeah, I, I, you answer the Gemara. Mishum de Chashivi. I wonder if Rashi says something. I don't remember this being a garrison in the Gemara. That's why I was surprised to see it. I guess. Yeshua and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, the Ibai Sema that we have coming up here is the one you remember from Rashi on the Chomish. Ibai Sema Shlahe Beisa They weren't in on the scheme. They weren't scheming like that. Okay, so uh, what we have here finally is eight people carrying a cluster with four poles. There are, I've told you, I forgot to bring the Shas here that shows all the pictures, but there are like 12 different arrangements in Rishenim for how exactly they arranged these poles. Rashi has a version, and uh, Tesis Rosh has a version, and Rabbeinu Hananel has a version. Rabbeinu Hananel's version actually has them carrying it like one, two, and then on each of those two poles, there's little like bicycle handle poles on each one. That's Rabbeinu 
Hananos, uh, that they're like little T's, that each pole had a T on either end. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it's two poles with, uh, with, with, a, with a T shape coming out of either end. That's Rabbeinu Hananos. I, I think Rashi, Rashi does it as, a, as X's with two on the end. I think Tesis Rush does it as a straight square. Um, the pictures are available in the, in the various Gemaras, and obviously you can read the commentaries. But there's a lot of commentaries on how exactly they arranged the poles. Uh, we have a moment left. I want to spend the last moment with a little bit of chassidus, and then we will call it. Let me just get to the end of this sentence, though, because uh, hold on a minute. Uh, here we go. We'll stop there for today because I want to tell you the uh, secha. Okay. Uh, the Rebbe has a secha. The secha you'll find it in uh, volume 38, in volume Lamed Ches. Shlach, uh, a secha and shlach. Meshul Rabbeinu told everybody in the Pasuk, I want you to take me priya aretz. It was a tziva for Meshul Rabbeinu. He says, I want you to take me priya aretz. How did Yeshua and Kalev exempt themselves from that? I understand Yeshua and Kalev didn't want to be part of the Atzas Meraglim. So then maybe they could take different fruits. I don't know. They, they could, or maybe they had to carry the fruits back and explain, we think they're really good. How did they, the rabbi's question is, how did they potter themselves from a mitzvah from Meshav Ben? Meshav Ben told them, bring back fruit. You can't go, well, they, they were doing it for the wrong reasons. So now we're not doing mitzvahs anymore. You've got to bring back fruit. Meshav told you to bring back fruit. And the rabbi's answer is that, I, I have just a snippet of it here. It's a long sikha, but the snippet of the bottom line answer. Huh? That helping with an Avera pushes off the Shlichus of Mesha. This is the Rebbe's answer in an edited Sicha. Is that it's one thing when Mesha tells you to do something, but if that means you're going to have to help somebody else do an Avera, what Mesha Rabbeinu wants doesn't matter anymore. Is that there is a limit to how far you follow what Mesha says. If, Mesha, if what Mesha says would make you help somebody do an Avera, clearly you're supposed to not listen. This is his Lashen. It's a dechuya. It's pushed off. Rulai ends a dechia. The Rebbe says maybe it's not even a dechia. Elish zel ha'isa kavanas meisha. What do you think meisha wants? What's meisha's kavanah for you to do an avera? Says so it's not just a dechia. It maybe is a hutra completely because from the beginning la dechila. What was meisha Rabbeinu's kavanah? That you should do averas and be part of an atzis menagim. Obviously not. Shleikhu peres even shall me say el about devar avera. Meisha Rabbeinu never meant take the fruit at all costs, even if it means helping with an avera. That was not meisha's intention. That actually undoes the whole kivan of the shlichas. There is a powerful idea here for Hasidim, especially since all of us have a little bit of a Teodic streak. Some of us more than others, but every Hasid by nature has a streak of, has a, streak of a little bit of chaos in them. And uh, there is a certain, there's a, there's a fervor for doing what the Rebbe says at all costs. The Rebbe himself is putting some hard and fast rules in this Sicha. Rule number one, if you find that doing the Rebbe Shlichus is going against Shulchan Aruch, you made a mistake somewhere. Either the Rebbe Shlichus is pushed off, it's Duchuyah and made the Shulchan Aruch, or more likely, the Rebbe Shlichus does not apply to the violation of Shulchan Aruch. And this is the Rebbe telling you right here. It's either Duchuyah, completely, it's pushed off, or, you know, maybe the intent of Meshav when he gave you that Shlichus was not for the version of it where you are now doing an Avera. Find a way not to do Averas while you're doing the Rebbe Shlichus is, is an important message that unfortunately we need to remind ourselves of. Because sometimes, sometimes in our zealousness, we can forget that the Rebbe's, in, that the Rebbe's initial kavana is always to make sure that everybody is keeping a halacha. And after that comes the shlichas. Thank you very much.